it's like Grant Morrison's laundry list of weird ideas that he's reading to you. <laughs> that should be the title of this episode. Yeah, but but that that's how it felt. With some exceptions, the antagonists aren't really designed to be a foil for the Doom Patrol, to comment no. on the Doom Patrol, to challenge the Doom Patrol. It's just, here's some other random ass shit. Doom Patrol, Doom Patrol, they screw up on the double. Dr. Niles Calder. The one they call the chief Took in those society Dean All for free Rita, Larry, Jane, Cliff, Vic, Yeah, They're on the way Do the troll, do the troll They'll be there on the Roman, if there's one thing I've learned about you over the course of doing this podcast No one has an appetite for weird shit like you do Sweet sassy molassy well, my lex- my, I'm supposed to say that leads us to the next letter in the alphabet, but I don't know how sweet, sassy, molassy leads us to the next letter in the alphabet, which is D. What comic begins with D, though, Raman? Daffy Duck meets Momar Gaddafi? Yes, that would qualify given how fucking weird that is. But actually, this week, D is for Doom Patrol, which you may know as a show on HBO Max. You know, but actually, Ryan, it's a superhero team that first appeared in 1963. At a, it had a roster full of misfits and outcasts led by a man in a wheelchair. Sound familiar? You wouldn't be the first to say, hey, that sounds exactly like Marvel's X-Men, which also debuted in 1963, though a few months later. Some conspiracy theorists might say that the X-Men was copied from DC's Doom Patrol, or maybe it's not a conspiracy. Who knows? The Doom Patrol included the wheelchair-bound Dr. Niles Calder, Robot Man, Negative Man, Elastic Girl, and Mento. The Freshmaker. And the comic has run pretty consistently over the last few decades, though never quite reaching the popularity of the X-Men. Still, it's had at times had all-star creative talent bringing the team on consistently weird adventures from John Byrne and Gerard Way and our favorite, Grant Morrison. And this week on Quarantine Comics, we're going to review half of Morrison's weird Doom Patrol run, which started in 1989 and lasted for four years. I am so sure it's going to be freaking awesome. Man, I, I'm just, I'm so stoked about this one, Ryan. My hopes are just like sky high. Yeah. Love your enthusiasm. Because at the time Morrison was working on Doom Patrol, he was also doing Animal Man for DC. And 1989 was the same year that not only the Berlin Wall fell... But Grant Morrison released Batman Arkham Asylum, which we reviewed earlier on this podcast. I'm Ryan Joe. And I'm Roman Segel. And we're two guys who are just hyped to get into Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. Well... <laughs> Ryan, I, this is going to be a short episode. It wasn't that good. <laughs> In fact, I would almost call it Don't Patrol. That was fast, but why didn't you like it? What? 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 What went wrong for you? Because, you know, you you normally, I guess we like about 75% of Grant Morrison stuff, and then the 25% that we don't like, we really kind of don't like. What what fell flat for you here? I, you know, it's funny, when you were running the numbers, I was like starting to be like, has, has he actually outspreadsheeted me and figured out like what we like and don't like across this whole podcast, which I think we should <laughs> we should do at some point. Let's just I know say what I'm he, doing after this recording. Those are official numbers. <laughs> like Grant Morrison, right? My first introduction to him was probably mainstream stuff like his run on JLA when I didn't know who Grant Morrison was. It was just DC's hiring awesome writers and doing cool inventive things in the early 2000s. But then, you know, new X-Men came out and it was a little mind bending. We've gone 
prior to this podcast, I've gone back into his podcast. I've read Flex Mentality. I think Grant Morrison's a really talented writer. I just think in 1989, he was still figuring shit out. Maybe he was, I, I think I, I texted this to you. It felt like, I, wa- I really wanted to like this. I, I want to I wanna caveat with that. Like the Doom Patrol, while not a team that I've followed a lot of, because so many writers have this like love affair with them, they, they think they're the cool misfits before the X-Men, the X-Men if the X-Men weren't cool to the rest of us. So many writers have just included the Doom Patrol. Like Mark Wade famously put them in JLA year one and his, new like batman superman world's finest so they were prominently featured in the teen titans because beast boy is grew up with the doom patrol so it's like i know who the doom patrol are they seem really cool the designs are just amazing the premise is great and coming into this i was like okay what could go wrong it's the doom patrol that everybody loves and it it's grant morrison so my expectations were sky high and i guess it just felt like grant morrison was not learning the craft, but he was like pushing the edges of weirdness. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a really mm-hmm. interesting analogy. A lot of people really didn't like the last Thor movie, Thor: Love and Thunder, because it was like too much Taika, and that's what this felt like. Even though it was like pre Grant Morrison being Grant Morrison to everyone, it just felt like too much Grant Morrison, unrestrained Grant Morrison, and at points the plot just became nonsensical, and I. I mean, I can make sense with what was happening, but just all the other shit felt like just weird window dressing for the sake of weird window dressing. There even weren't, unlike his like weird ass shit in Justice League and X-Men, it didn't feel like the weird shit had a point. So I don't know, man. I, I Maybe my expectations were too high. I just, I found myself speeding through pages. I didn't finish volume three because I just couldn't. I, it's like, I couldn't even breeze through it. I couldn't linger in it. It just felt like a chore. <laughs> so sorry ryan like very rarely do i shit on a book i feel like our our roles are reversed no actually i kind of feel the same way though i didn't react as harshly as as you did but um you know there's this quote from quentin tarantino talking about david lynch i think it's about one of david lynch's worst movies oh i think it's probably about fire walk with me the the twin peaks movie Mm -hmm. which was people really hated but but quentin tarantino said about david lynch has just, just disappeared so far up his own ass and I, I think that kind of that 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 quote can be applied to Grant Morrison with this run of Doom Patrol because, as you put it, it's like Grant Morrison unrestrained. It's just constant. It's just this constant assault of weirdness for the sake of weirdness. And in a way, I was kind of thinking back. Um, you know, when you're a teenager and you're reading Image Comics, and it's this constant assault of violence. Violence, violence, violence. And you're thinking, man, this is cool as a teenager because this is like adult. And then you just become sort of inured to it and sort of bored by it. And it stops really having, you start just like, it just, you stop really even paying attention to it. And I kind of feel like that's what happened with Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol is that there's one weird thing and there's another weird thing and there's a weird thing in the margin and there's a weird idea here and there's a weird idea here. And suddenly you stop even thinking of them as weird ideas. It's just like a list. It's like, it's like Grant Morrison's laundry list of weird ideas that he's reading to you. (laughs) That should be the title of this episode. Yeah. But, but that, that's how it, how it felt. And he does it kind of throughout. It's not just, you know, in the main storylines, it's also, 
and then there were the kites with souls and then there were the the, the... it's like the antagon the antagonists aren't really with with some exceptions the antagonists aren't really designed to be a foil for the doom patrol to comment no. on the doom patrol to challenge the doom patrol it's just here's some other random ass shit that the doom patrol should run into right and, and then and then you know what's what's disappointing though is that when he sometimes does have a really interesting intriguing idea you know we talk about other books having really good world building where they introduce some crazy concept or some crazy character and then they really kind of explore it grant morrison doesn't really do that here sometimes he comes kind of close to exploring a concept that's interesting i think danny the street was really interesting as a concept danny the sentient street so it's a sentient street named danny and danny has a bunch of stores full of like masculine things like guns and stuff but he gussies them up with like ribbons and stuff like that and so the guy who wants to kill Danny the street considers him a transvestite street, which is weird and quirky and unusual. And that's why he wants to kill Danny. And so that whole concept is just like, wow, okay, you can go a lot of places, but, yeah, it's, but it doesn't go anywhere. It's, yeah. And it's just, I think when Grant Morrison is really great, he takes something familiar and not just the subject matter, the X-Men, the Doom Patrol, the JLA, but he takes something from their mythos or something from the broader universe and then puts the Grant Morrison twist on it. Charles Xavier's twin sister, Sentinels, twisting the relationship mm-hmm. between characters, Scott Summers and Emma Frost. In, I'm trying to think, in JLA, be it the key, White Martians versus Green Martians. Like, he he pretty much invented that, right? But it's like, take something you know and you admire about this concept in this franchise and take a Grant Morrison take on it. And these, there's... These aren't Grant Moore. There, and it only happens a couple of times. You know, the Justice League does show up, and that's okay. I don't need them to show up. I actually really enjoyed that moment. It's like, uh, the, the Doom Patrol, those are the, the weirdos. I guess they've got this. They're in this painting. I really appreciated. I don't know if you had like the the compiled volume one and two, but I'm guessing it's the issue 34 which is the one where Mansoor Mala in the brain <laughs> like that was a great one I okay, actually I, I wanted more moments like that holy shit okay so I was actually gonna say that is the one issue that I really 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 enjoyed. and it's just kind of like this one shot and it's almost treated as a joke but I think it was the best uh, issue <laughs> yeah you know what it is though it's just and it kind of going back to like you know what works with new x-men what works with his run on JLA it's that he takes one idea and really kind of uses that as the basis for like an entire arc. So like the, the it's the, it's the seed of inspiration to go do yeah. his weird fucked up shit that we love about Grant Morrison. And then he also kind of pays close attention to the relationships of the characters and how they interact with each other. You know, whether it's that weird love triangle between Jean Grey and Scott Summers and Emma Frost, or, you know, the, the weird kind of, ineffective leadership that magneto tries to you know provide to his followers Mm -hmm. um and he you know you really don't get much of that in doom patrol you don't really get a sense of how the characters relate to each other except in that episode with mr mala when he infiltrate when when he infiltrates the um the doom Mr. Mala infiltrates the Doom Patrol with a with a disembodied brain with the intent of taking over Robot Man's body. And through this entire episode, you know, you get you get this you get a sense of the relationship between Robot Man and Dr. Niles Calder, and it's kind of weird. You get a sense of the relationship Dr. Niles Calder has with 
some of the other, I guess, geniuses in the DC universe. The sort of worth, toxic- worth worth no- worth noting about Niles Calder. He's a total asshole. But if you've watched the Umbrella Academy on Netflix, it's their kind of father figure. That's who Niles Calder is. The aloof kind of asshole doesn't care about his protégés guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of my favorite moments is he's he's operating (laughs) on Robot Man's new improved body and Robot Man's brain is in a jar somewhere and he's disembodied and Calder stops and says, I need to go out and get some chocolate. And uh, the other guy who's helping Calder says, "Are are you sure? You know, you don't want to finish up here, like, because Cliff, Robot Man, is just his brain in the jar, and he's not doing anything. And he's like, ah, oh, he, he, Robot Man likes it that way. He likes, he likes being alone. And Robot Man doesn't fuck, does not fucking like being alone. He does not like being this, <laughs> and he just kind of leaves him there. Which is when Monsieur Mala, who has his own sort of, who's who's sort of like helping another evil genius, which is also another evil disembodied it's, brain. It's his love. It's in. his love. It's his soulmate. But continue. I, well, I love. Well, see, so I love. Do you don't know these characters, like, Mr. I actually I knew of Mr. Mala as a Doom Patrol villain, but I didn't know of that love affair between him and the the brain character. Is that is that a thing? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, they're also part of. I, I don't know the name of the team, but they're they're like Teen Titans villains, which are like holdover Doom Patrol villains, right? So they they appear a lot. I, one thing are, I'd they, say wait, are, are, like, are they are they really lovers though? Uh, I mean, it's. I think. It might Doom Patrol might be the only place it actually shows up because the other thing to note this is 1989. It's around the same time as New Teen Titans is like the top book, like along with Uncanny X Men. It's it's definitely not implied in the Teen Titans, but when Grant Morrison decides to kind of insinuate it, it makes sense. <laughs> so, I, on last week's episode, oddly enough, I I had mentioned all oh, yeah Titans. It's actually Tiny Titans, and those two characters do show up even like in a, a super kids comic. They're always hanging out. They're like BFFs. Maybe they're more. So I don't know. I I well you know I mean we're, what what we get here is after Mister Mala spoiler alert successfully transplants his master's brain into the body of Robot Man. We are treated to a makeout scene between a robot and an ape. So, you know, and thank you, Grant Morrison, for that. But again, you know, you, you have, I mean, that whole book is about these these unusual, bizarre, unconventional relationships, not only between the Doom Patrol members, but between their enemies. And and that one shot, I thought, had more personality than so many of the other the whole goddamn story arcs. <laughs> right, because I don't you really know... know- you know, there's a lot to, you know, because like Crazy Jane, what a weird character. How does Cliff relate to, we have, we see her helping her. Well, so, so, okay, to let's, different... let's talk, let's, I want to talk about Crazy Jane, but I want to talk about Cliff first. So, okay, Cliff, uh, yeah. Because one of the original members, he's clearly in this book, and again, haven't read a lot of Doom Patrol. He's the everyman. He's the character you're seeing this entire scenario through. There's even like one moment, I think it is in the Danny the Street episode, where he's just like, well, someone just explain everything to me, like stop, right? So He's clearly the vehicle through which we're reading this. The the main protagonist, in my opinion. I I think God, what's his name? The 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 negative man. So Rebus. Is that his name? Reb- yeah, Rebus like, the negative man. Don't call him yeah, Larry. So yeah, so Doom Patrol decide or Grant Morrison decides he wants to merge a male and a female into an existing character, and that's fine. Grant Morrison's experimenting with lots of cool and weird ideas, but it's just like he doesn't do anything with it. Right. That like. He sets it up and he doesn't deliver on it, so it almost feels agenda driven. What he's trying to do with it. Well, and then and, I think he just okay, forgets. Okay, and then, it, it feels it feels kind of more. I would say it feels more neglectful than agenda. Yeah. Driven. It, no, no. What I'm saying is, I, I, there's nothing wrong with it being agenda driven. What I'm saying is, 
he set the agenda that he wanted to combine a man and mm. a woman into a famous character, which, you know, clutch your pearls, cancel culture. But like, it's fine. That's cool. But then he doesn't explore it, to your point. He tries something which is really potentially provocative for 1989, but just really interesting. And nothing happens with it. He's, it's effectively the same negative man. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of annoying. There's there's one scene where Rebus visits the female parts. The, um, the fiance, yeah. The fiance, yeah, fiance. And then there's this sort of like emotional sequence and Rebus is just completely aloof to the whole situation. But it felt, it feels, it felt that's like it, lip service. Right? If it was well, lip service, it was lip well, service. It's literally like two pay. It's 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 like that. That's the only real sequence we see of that, and it's you know that could have been like the setup for something more, but instead it's just sort of ignored. Or, or like the or the actual you know kind of conflict between two personalities while you're in battle or while you're doing. I can imagine. Right, right, right. Oh Claremont yeah, would have written that. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So and you know then there's a whole issue with like. Uh, he keep robot man keeps calling Rebus Larry because he knows uh, of neg- he knows his friend Larry is half of the negative man so mm-hmm. he keeps calling him like Larry and, Re- and Rebus is like please don't call me Larry I'm not Larry and there's something that, prescient about that but yeah well there's well there's something also that you could really really dig into like how does robot yeah. man relate to okay so negative man who he's known for a long time is not really negative man anymore it's Rebus but it's half. The, right. the person that he knows. So there's this whole opportunity to really kind of dive into these misfit personalities that for most of the book is just kind of missing because you're, they're kind of focused on like one, they're kind of hopping from one weird adventure to another weird adventure without even any thought of how these characters really relate to each other. Who's Dorothy? You know, Dorothy, the girl with a monkey face. Like, what is her thing? How does she relate to Robot Man? How does she relate to... And it's weird because these are things that like Grant Morrison paid so much attention to when he did X-Men, it almost feels like this is sort of like like training for what he eventually does in new X-Men, where you have so I, I, many I, complex interactions. I mean, I wouldn't call it training because it's like 20, 30 years prior. It's just like, it's a raw, unkempt version of Grant Morrison. I mean, I'll give you kind of a, so the, the, the Rebus choice was interesting and he chose not to do anything with it. Another, I, you know, actually one of my least favorite members of the Doom Patrol was Rita Elastigirl. Mm. But if anyone could have figured out a way to make that interesting, it would have been Grant Morrison. And I think, I don't know if it's Rita, the redhead in volume three. I don't know if it's Rita. That's um, Rhea. That's but, her name's her, her, AKA Lodestone. So she's a different character than Elastigirl. Okay. Okay. So different character. So we just, and maybe something happened to Elastigirl. I think there was like a DC crossover right before this happened. But like, if anyone could make an un- interesting character, like Elastigirl interesting, it would have been. Grant Grant Morrison. Morrison. Instead, and again, Crazy Jane, interesting concept. Again, you can really kind of see similarities in the Indian actress who shows up in the Netflix series Umbrella Academy. But Crazy Jane, it's just kind of a cheap prop. I mean, they do a couple of issues where they kind of delve into her personality when Robot Man Cliff wants to rescue her. Yeah. But again, it's just, it's not that interesting. She's just kind of like conveniently has the because all of her multiple personalities have different powers because she has dissociative identity disorder and you really could have done something with that but again maybe it's 1989 and people don't understand you know kind of gender fluidity like with rebus or dissociative personality disorder so maybe this was interesting and breakthrough for the time but it just it feels like they're kind of like token placements that Mm. Morrison doesn't really explore. He's throwing shit up against the wall because he's more interested in the the crazy villains of the week or whatever else he wants to pursue. 
Yeah, I, I think Crazy Jane was a real missed opportunity because, you know, she does interact with Cliff. Cliff does have, like, a relationship with her. But then again, which which character, which aspect of Crazy Jane does Cliff have a relationship with? I mean, that's something that you could actually really dive into. He likes certain parts of the personality and other parts not. Some part aspects of the personality, some powers, maybe he can deal with really easily and others he cannot. Can he kind of, like, coax certain aspects of crazy jane to come up since he's the one who has the most personal relationship with her what is the, I, I don't even ever see her interact with niles calder like what's his i'm sure he would have right, some sort of they're a, they're a team and they don't interact with each other yeah. like it's there's all these a handful of one-off interactions where certain characters are only allowed to honestly rebus doesn't interact with anybody right niles calder only interacts to be an asshole and barely that it's pretty much this entire arc or at least the 20 or so issues i read is robot man and crazy jane like and that's fine but they don't even do an interesting exploration there no so, most of what they do they're, they're kind of act like colleagues right like okay we got to go here and then fight this thing and then we got to go here and fight this thing and so again you're missing any any kind of vicity in terms uh, and and in terms of how they would react to each other as people and that's what you know for for a comic focused on misfits and outcasts that feels like a really huge absence yeah yeah and i and i was thinking like even the villains like i remember a lot of the concept of the villains, like the 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 reincarnation of Jack the Ripper. Uh, I remember, well, yeah, you know, yeah, the, that wasn't bad. Yeah, yeah, but and I remember the the painting, the the you know the concept of the painting that ate Paris. But yeah, really quick, had you read this before? Yeah, I read this oh, in my okay. early twenties. So I, I so, so, actually, so, so I, wait 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 so let, uh, let's interrogate that. Like so. What was your reaction when you read it? Obviously, you thought it was awesome because you yeah, brought it back. I liked it. I had also read Animal Man at that time, and I liked both of them. Mm. I, what I, I was I was thinking about this. Why did I like this in my 20s? And I think it's probably the same reason that I liked Spawn when I was in my teens. It felt new to me. It felt, And I was kind of at this stage when I was just like hungry for all sorts of new, weird ideas. And, you know, I was really appreciative of the, the deluge that Grant Morrison was 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 like giving me. I was, you know, really kind of receptive to all of that in a way that, you know, now it's sort of like, well, okay, having read all that, what, what's the next level? What's the next layer? Is there something interesting happening with the story? Is there anything happening with the characters? And if the answer is no, which it is, I think, then, <laughs> then, then it's sort of like, oh, okay, it's actually kind of a shallow appreciation. So, and, and you know, also the other a good thing, episode title. The other thing is that it's, it's, I. It was unlike anything I had ever read before. And you've heard me say that about other comics in this podcast. And if you read a comic and you've never read anything like it before, it's going to leave an impression and a favor, generally probably a favorable one. And that's exactly what Doom Patrol did when I was in my early 20s. It was like, wow, I have never read a comic like this before. I've never seen a superhero team like this before. It is so weird so when you read it when you read it in your 20s had you ever read doom patrol before or was this your first doom patrol i hadn't read doom patrol before and but even if i had i mean it was just like a weird it was just an just like the most unusual villains and the most unusual heroes yeah i think so i read like the as i was getting ready to read this all, all these collected editions usually have a forward written by some other contemporary another great and then sometimes even like a forward from the author and i, I made it a point to read those 
and I don't remember who wrote the intro to the mega volume I, I read, but I'll just pull the name because it is worth saying. It was a forward by Tom Payer. Tom Payer, right? Um, okay. Payer, sorry, Tom Payer. And what Tom Payer says is, "Man, when I was a kid, like Doom Patrol was like nothing I'd ever seen. So Doom Patrol was already weird. I think that's the Grant Morrison special sauce. This, the premise of this character. So when Grant Morrison is great." He takes something that is relatively normal and puts a twist on it. The X-Men, the Justice League. Mm-hmm. I could even argue Animal Man was just kind of this innocuous existing hero, right? Animal Man was never that weird. And he, Batman and the Joker, and he just puts these things that we already know and really twists the hell out of them. But the Doom Patrol was almost like already the weird misfits, hmm. right? They And so, you know, is it like, too kind of like too much weirdness on top of itself where it just becomes nonsensical but and and i just maybe that's what it is but at the same time i i just think it's not his best work i think he it it did it's not that he was phoning it in he wasn't collecting a paycheck but it's just like he was trying all the wrong things or he didn't have an idea of what he wanted to do so he just tried everything and that it just got it's fine. Like I can accept that for a few issues, but 20 issues in, I'm like enough, like just enough. Yeah. It's actually, so, you know, I, I had read all, all his, the entire run. We only reviewed half of it, but I remember even like, as I was heading towards the end of the run being sort of like, ugh, this is getting kind of like repetitive. And, and I kind of think like, even then it was starting to wear out its welcome. And I think, you know, having aged, you know, another 20 years, Going back to this and reading it, it's it it feels no longer fr- all of the things that seemed fresh back then no longer seem as fresh anymore because you know again I read more Grant Morris and I read other stuff and you know I'm, I'm now more looking for something else another layer of another narrative layer or something where to interact to to, to really kind of grab me and it's just it's it's just not there which is kind of which is kind of disappointing. And I'm actually kind of thinking about, you remember, you know, The Invisibles? Haven't read it. It's something, you know, when we were joking about doing a Grant Moore, that was one of the books I went to read. I had read a few Invisibles graphic novels. I have not read the whole thing. But I remember mm. reading it, and I actually read The Invisibles before I read Doom Patrol. So I read The Invisibles in high school, or tried to read The Invisibles in high school. And I just didn't get it. And I remember being like, oh, these are really weird ideas. I see, I see there's a lot of weird ideas and a lot of weird characters here. But I bet, you know, it's one of those, this I was thinking at the time, I was like, well, maybe I'm just too young to understand it, you know? And and now having read Doom Patrol, I'm kind of wondering, I'm kind of wondering if actually like the Invisibles is sort of like to the next run of like the Doom Patrol, where it's just like a collection of weird people, weird looking people, weird ideas that don't really add up to much. Because that's my recollection of reading of, of the 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 few Invisibles graphic novels that I did read. It was like, I don't understand how this connects to anything. And that's not how I now feel like reading, reading, coming back and reading Doom Patrol. I'm not sure how any of this connects. And it, it really just does not. Well, I mean, again, with, with Doom Patrol, I feel like there's an existing expectation of something. And with Invisibles, it's kind of a brand new concept. Something we talked about last week when we talked about Catwoman was, you know, the serialized run of kind of a character that you kind of have to put back in its place when you're done. You can't 
you can make small tweaks and evolutions, but you can't really rock the boat too much, right? Because everything's got to reset. And honestly, I mean, maybe that's not the case with Doom Patrol, but it's just like he's playing with existing toys. Invisibles was kind of a Vertigo series, brand new. I, I'm guessing it had a beginning, middle, and end like Preacher did or Watchmen did. You know, I never read Joe the Barbarian by him. I think I read like the first issue. But, you know, it's just like I, I do wonder... I don't know. Grant Morrison does well. Like, you know, he did do a lot of things with the X-Men and he put the toys back. Same thing with the JLA, but he could still try really interesting things. And it just, I I don't know. It just feels lazy. It just feels I, well, lazy. I feel like with like, you know, with Alan Moore, I feel like some of his best work is, is honestly his superhero related work because there are certain constraints that he has to work with, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, you know, there's certain things he can and cannot do with Swamp Thing. There are certain things he can and cannot do with Superman. And, you know, I, I, and I feel like when you make stuff up, like from scratch, like Promethea, it's just like, what the fuck? It is off the rails and not in a good way. And I feel the same way <laughs> to an extent with Grant Morrison. And I know Doom Patrol, those are characters that were created in the 60s and not by Grant Morrison. But they weren't a-list heroes right they were kind of these also rans and he was able to kind Mm -hmm. of i feel do with them what he was you know kind of like do whatever he wanted to do with them essentially and ultimately it just kind of led to a place where it was weirdness for weirdness sake and it didn't make a lot of sense and i don't i mean i'm not saying that everything grant morrison does or you know these weird stories have to make sense but there needs to be some sort of sense of authorial control and again that he's not just reading me a laundry list of weird ideas which i felt more often than not he was yeah i mean this is kind of like where i i actually feel like i've been repeating myself like i this has been a tricky one and again i what i will say about this and, and i was texting you just before we started recording is way back when when we were actually considering doing a grant more month i got these grant morrison doom patrols from the library but i also got gerard ways from my chemical romance the guy who invented the umbrella academy eventually like i i got his run i never read them they just kind of sat on the shelf and i returned them to the library thinking we'd pick it back up later and then when i was looking up the gerard way version it turns out more recently john byrne was paid money to kind of take you know, kind of probably do a hard reset of the Doom Patrol and just kind of give people what they wanted. So there's like a current John Byrne run. So I'm Doom Patrol curious, right? Like I, I've never actually read standalone <laughs> Doom Patrol work. And I, I, again, I'm about to go on a vacation and, you know, I don't want to read comics on this vacation, but I kind of want to. I kind of want to see can when you just have like, I hate to call them normal authors, but like, can you take a normal, interesting take, a committed take to the Doom Patrol? without trying to twist it and run your own kind of crazy ideas against it. Um, yeah, I, I'm genuinely, I am going to give it a pass. Am I going to read the full John Byrne run? Am I going to read the full Gerard Way run? Probably not, but I just like, I know the Doom Patrol is not bad, but I do know that Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol run is bad. <laughs> well, there's so there's one story arc where I, I kind of wonder if that's the key to reading John, sorry, John, Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol, which is the painting that ate Paris, and that's when the Doom Patrol goes up against the brother yeah, fantastic. of Dada. Or fantastic concept. Fantastic concept. And then it just kind of leads to like, you know, it's, and it's just kind of one random thing happens after the other. But of course, the whole point of Dada, the art movement, mm-hmm. and I'm being very reductive here. I don't really, you know, I'm sure there's some art historian out there who can correct me, but it's it's about like complete, complete, you know, rejection of structure, rejection of formality. 
And so it kind of makes sense that that story, you know, in and of itself would just kind of have random stuff happen. It wouldn't make sense. Things wouldn't stitch together. But the issue, and, you know, if it, I, maybe if it were, conf- if that sort of thing were confined to that specific arc, it'd be like, okay, I get it. I get what you're doing. But the whole comic is sort of like randomized. But at the same, I know, I just, part of me could just kind of wonders if, hey, maybe that's that's what Grant Morrison was trying to do. It was just like Brotherhood of Dada throughout the entire Doom Patrol, where it's just a rejection of structure and expectations and conventional superhero whatever adventures. I, next question, of course, would be: Should he have done that? Which you know, if if that was his intent, and you know, I, I think there's a, a lot of room for debate there, or maybe the answer is just no. <laughs> but anyway, I digress because next week I think we are going to have a little bit more structure. Roman, tell me something. What are we reading next week? As he pulls up a summary. It's good to have a spreadsheet after Doom Patrol, right? All of those little grids, everything in order, <laughs> like formulas. So, next week, we continue our romp through the alphabet, and the next letter in the alphabet is E, and E is for Esther's Notebooks. Now, you've probably not heard of this, but you might have heard, if you're a longtime fan of the podcast, of the French, Syrian, Libyan comics creator, Riyad Satouf, of charlie hebdo i might have to check that and edit that out if he's not and it's a hilarious harp we've not read it but here's the premise as i recall it and when i read an article about it i was like we kind of have to read this so riyad satouf is a french syrian cartoonist who works for charlie hebdo and he's just hanging out in france and he's got friends who have kids kind of like ryan and what riyad does is he befriends his friend's kid named esther and just lets esther tell him stories These are real stories being told to Riyadh by a little French girl named Esther. And he decides to draw them into comic book form. (laughs) I read about this a while ago. I I bought a used copy because I had to check it out. It's been sitting on my bookshelf. And he is for Esther's notebooks. And uh, I think it's going to be a fun ride. I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, if you want to prepare for that episode, you can go back all the way back to the letter A and read our previous review of Satouf's Arab of the Future. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Be sure to share with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. See lots of pretty pictures of the books we read at qtdcomics.com. And since we're sure no one's listening, prove us otherwise. Shoot an email over to say what I got right and what Ryan got wrong. qtdcomics at gmail.com. Give you a social media handle, but we're old and that feels like too much work. I'm Roman Segel. And I am and have always been Ryan Joe. Holy. Potluck. Potluck.